It's not about looking good, it's about being good. It's not what you say, it's what you do that matters most. It's about having the courage to step into your arena and do the work. Welcome to No Show Dogs, powered by ReliQuest. Hey, welcome back to the No Show Dogs podcast, powered by ReliQuest. My name is Darren McMains, and I'm alongside my co-host and mental performance coach, teammate, Dr. Nicole Detling. Doc, how you doing today? Dude, it's college football bowl season. <laughs> of course it is. Of yes. course it is. And I know you are, are loving life right now. I am. Hey, when you look at bowl season, are you the type of person that looks at every bowl and like picks winners? Are you that type of, of I don't avid? really pick winners. No, I don't really pick winners, but I will okay. watch every game. You will? Absolutely. Yes. If I can, I, I'm not recording them all. If yeah. I don't get the chance to actually watch it live, and when there's multiple on at the same time, I'll do picture in picture sometimes, but I usually choose one. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm I will watch every one of them. I love it. I, lo- yeah. I love it. Well, I know the one that we're going to be especially dialed into this year is the ReliQuest Bowl, January first, noon Eastern, ESPN two, University of Wisconsin versus LSU going to be a, a great game monster matchup two great fan bases really looking forward to that and that's yeah. actually this episode is is all about the ReliQuest Bowl actually we had the opportunity to interview both head coaches head coach at University of Wisconsin Luke Fickle and also the LSU head coach Brian Kelly and so today what we want to do is play that interview for you all our listeners and then when we come out of it we're both going to share just one takeaway uh, that we got from just an incredible interview so go ahead and check out this clip after Doc reads the bio about head coach Luke Fickle. Tell us about head coach Fickle. Oh, I could tell you all kinds of things about head coach Fickle, but we will just go into his bio here. So he actually began coaching in 1999 as a graduate assistant at the Ohio State University. He then coached at the University of Akron. He went back to the Ohio State University from 2002 to 2016. He did spend one season there in 2011 as the head coach. He then took over the program at the University of Cincinnati in 2017, and he turned them around quickly into a championship program. In 2021, he led the Bearcats to the college football playoff, becoming the first program outside of a Power Five conference to advance. In November of 2022, he took over as the head coach at the University of Wisconsin, and this was his first full season with the Badgers, and now he gets to coach at the ReliQuest Bowl. Let's go. Yeah, so check out this cool interview. Tons of wisdom in there for all you business leaders and entrepreneurs out there. Check this out, and again, when we come out of this, we're going to share just a couple takeaways. Luke, it is such an honor to have you here, man. Welcome to No Show Dogs. I appreciate it. Thank you. And, and to Tampa, too. So True. the sun is nice. So we're, we're, I'm excited to be here. Unfortunately, we got to go back tonight, so I don't get to enjoy too much of the weather. But you'll be back, and we're looking we'll forward to it. We'll be back soon, yeah. yes. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, th- this is going to be great for our listeners. A lot of entrepreneurs, business professionals are, are going to be listening to this. And so we just want to talk about your leadership journey. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to talk to you about the 1997 Rose Bowl. Here's what I read. Okay. Right? I read that you played that game with a torn peck. 
Is that first that's, is that accurate? That is accurate. Okay, okay. So now I don't the know, say how well I played, but I did play with the torn pack. <laughs> Which is unbelievable, by the way. So one thing we always say here on the No Show Dogs podcast is you don't have to feel good to play good, right? Easier said than yeah. done. Right? Easier said than <laughs> yeah. done. So I just want to talk about your mindset going into that game. Like how are you able to uh, get into the right headspace to get out there and compete with a torn pack? I had no choice, really, to be honest with you. I mean, like sure. it's just I don't know. It's the way I was brought up in some ways. Like, I mean, every, you do everything you can to continue to play, you know? And, uh, the reality is there was something on the line and not just the game. The coaches thought, Hey, this is, there was some streak for the most starts, you know? So my coaches were like, okay, you've started for four straight years. We're going to let you, you're going to start the game. And then they put it on me to say, look, you got to tell us if you can, if you can handle it, if you can Mm. legitimately, you know, feel like, you can do this. And I yeah. said, look, I will not hurt the team. I will give everything I got. If I really feel like I'm not helping the team, then I'll come off and I'll tell you guys, you know, this is, I'm not selfish. I don't want to do sure. this. And some way, somehow, just in the mind, I, I never really thought about it. I never thought that it was, you know, going to hurt or anything like that. It was just more like all my mind was is, can I help my team win? And do we have an opportunity yeah. to win? And if I don't feel like I'm able to do what I need to do, to give us a chance to win, then I've got to be unselfish and make sure that I don't think about myself and, and get somebody else in there. And so I think more than anything, that just made me not focus on the deficiency as opposed to what can I do to help my team win mm. in every in every way possible. And as I watch back at it, I, I didn't play really well. I wouldn't say that we had a game to go watch and say, oh, damn, he played pretty good. <laughs> That's but, the film. Yeah. But I, I – you know, I gave everything I had, and, yeah. and we found a way that I didn't think I was hurting, or the coach didn't feel like I was a detriment to our team, and we we end up winning the game. And I guess all all uh, all's well that ends well. I love it, and, and I'm sure that same is true as a leader as well, right? I'm sure there are difficult days, days where you're maybe not feeling your best, but you still got to give your best, right? Of what you have. So how do you, how do you as a leader on those difficult days? How do you get to a space where you can bring the best version of yourself to the locker room? Uh, you can never show it, right? I mean, you can if you sat here and talked to my wife, she'd say, "Boy, sometimes when you come home, you're just you're a jerk, and you know I gotta I gotta deal with this, this, and this, and why are you in a bad mood?" And I'm like, "Because I can't be in a bad mood all day." And when you walk in the door, you've got to be the guy that <clears throat> put it on your shoulders. Everybody is gonna you know in some ways gonna see what it is that you do, how you handle yourself, and that is, you know, there, there are times when, yeah, it's overwhelming, but for me, the most important thing is that from the time you walk in, you can't show that anything is overwhelming. You can't show that anything has an incredible effect on you. There's got to be some version of neutral. There's got to be some version of consistency that you don't ride the wave of the roller coaster that you're going through. Now, when you get home, when you actually can decompress and you actually around some of the people who know you the best, they're the ones that may suffer from, you know, not being able to, you know, kind of let it out at work. And don't get me wrong. There's, there's times to let things out, like to be honest with our team, sure. things are disappointed about, but I just mean, regardless of what happens as a leader, as the guy, as the face, you've got to be able to be the one that every day, if, if you expect people to be upbeat, if you expect people to be positive, if you expect there to be a, you know, an, an energy and a momentum about what it is that you're doing, then you've got to be the example of that. And it's exhausting. Um, but I think that more than anything, it's just the example that you got to set. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, let's talk about your journey a little bit. Starting as a grad assistant at Ohio State, going through Akron, now head coach at, or excuse me, through Cincinnati, obviously, ton of success there. Now to Wisconsin. How have you had to evolve as a coach, right? As you've quote unquote climbed the corporate ladder, right? And you're like, how have you evolved? And then the second part of that is, what do you think keeps some coaches from evolving? 
obviously you are, you are the experiences that you have, right? And, and if you can at least recognize those experiences and use them in ways to grow, I think it's really important. And for me in this journey of coaching, <clears throat> I've been very fortunate. I was a GA, obviously, back at my alma mater at Ohio State. Um, then I got my first coaching job at the University of Akron. Um, then I went back to my alma mater and stayed for basically 17 years. And a lot of people in that, you'd say, well, you probably didn't get the experiences that a lot of other people got, right? And sometimes in this profession, you've got to see other ways for things to be done to kind of recognize different leadership styles and different ways of doing things. And I was very fortunate to be basically around or with or under three Hall of Fame coaches. So John Cooper, who's a Hall of college Hall of Fame coach, Jim Tressel, who's a Hall of Fame coach, and Urban Meyer, who's a Hall of Fame coach. Three distinctly different leadership style guys, three distinctly different people, all with the same kind of thing in mind, loving kids, growing kids, winning games. Um, but I was very fortunate in, in my journey to be able to learn from those types of Hall of Fame coaches, see it done in many different ways, actually get the opportunity in 2011 to kind of try it a little bit because I was the interim sure yeah i say inter i was the coach there that year but yes the yeah, i'm sorry yeah, you know, sure. i asked him just to take that tag <laughs> off just just Fair so enough. maybe the recruits would think oh there's a chance <laughs> but I, I got an opportunity to you know apply a little bit of it and make an incredible amount of mistakes to recognize that there's things that you aren't going to be able to do that others have done but you got to find a way to do it what it is that you believe in the way that what you want to be able to do it that's really good what were some of the lessons you took with you to Cincinnati? Go talk about 2017, first year at Cincinnati, four and eight. Next year, historic turnaround, right? And I think about there's probably leaders listening to this right now that are thinking, man, 2023's been tough for them, yeah. and they're going to want to, yeah, and they're going to want to turn it around 2024. So, what were some things that you implemented there that uh, led to that turnaround? Well, I, I think that just believing in the process that w which we had, um, self-evaluate and recognizing there are some things that we completely, I completely screwed up in that year one. And it took one of those moments for me to recognize it and see it and then be willing to kind of adjust and adapt going into year two. Um, it was unique. Obviously, I think it was easier as people, as we won, for people to buy in, right? Seeing is believing. And, and I'm not like I've got all the answers, but things fell into line in year two that really helped the, everybody around us buy in and believe in the culture and the things that we were doing. And people would say, Hey, what was the, you know, the turning point in, in maybe at Cincinnati. And I, I would honestly say that probably a game one of the second year, we, we go to UCLA and we win, but the way that which we win, the things that happened for us to win happened to be some of the things that we were preaching about and they kind of fell into line. And it was unique that after the game, as you got guys up there to say a few words, they started repeating the things that you'd been saying for a year, but you hadn't heard. And yeah. so, I think as those kinds of things, as positive things started to happen, it was easier for people to believe and buy in. But ultimately, I think it was the consistency, the recognition of you know, where we thought we were deficient, our ability to attack those deficiencies, but to have consistency in everything that we were doing. That's great, yeah. Um, during the regular season, let's talk a little bit just about uh, pressure, perceived pressure, however you want to frame it. Every week, Saturday's coming, Yeah. right? I mean, you can't run from it. You know, it's coming. And so how do you manage the, the, the pressure of the expectation to win every Saturday? Not very well. <laughs> I don't do it very well. I, there's not a one way of doing it, right? I mean, yeah. I mean you, 
my wife tries to think it's only about winning for you. And I no, it's really not. I mean, I know ultimately the outside evaluates you just on winning. And it's very easy for the outside to recognize wins and losses. But for me, it's it's deeper than that. And that's why it's you try not to ride the wave or the roller coaster, but it's about the progression. It's about seeing the things that you want to see and the ability to grow that I think is so important. And you've heard a lot of coaches talk about it. it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And and it, it's true. It's it's hard when things don't go your way or don't go the way you want them to but it's really about recognizing some of that growth and and each and every week you know there's going to be pressure you know it's going to be about winning you know it's going to be an evaluation but to me I look at it as each and every day there's there's an evaluation of how are you growing as a program as a team as a culture as a coaching staff and if you feel like you're on the right track and things are going in the right direction it might not show on Saturday it might not be a win but you feel like you're going in the right direction. And I think for me, that helps me deal with Saturday, knowing that it's not all about Saturday and the way internally that we, you know, evaluate externally. They, I understand that, but that's what we signed up for. That's great. I got two more for you. Yeah. Um, when you think about the successful program that you built at Cincinnati and the one you're currently building here at Wisconsin, what are some of the standards that you build your program on? People. I think it's relationships, um, and I think it's trying to get all of us to understand the way we do anything is the way we do everything. And I just mean that this, if you've got this internal drive, you've got this understanding of what it is that you want, then why would you compromise for anything? And I use the example for kids, like you can't be a, you know, an average student, meaning like I don't really care as much about, but I'm going to be a really high-end football player and care about it. Like at some point in time, those two worlds are going to implode. Yeah. And if you've got this mentality that I want to do everything really well on the football field, that I want to do everything really well in my life. And, and when you set some of those standards and you have those expectations for yourself, it's amazing how you continue to grow. And some people say, well, that, does everybody on your team have a 4.0? Well, no, there's guys on our team that the best they, they can do, their, their potential is a 3.0 or a 2.5. Well, if they do that, if that's what their potential is, then we expect them to get a 2.8 or a 3.2. And sure. It's the same thing. Our ability to play above our God-given talents on the football field has got to come from something different. It's about the little things. It's the way you do it. It's the process of what you do it. And to me, our whole program wants to be built around way to everything, way to everything, having a passion in what you do. I'm not a big guy on dreams. It, I have dreams too. It, it, you find out what you're passionate about to, to continue to grow. Um, and then there, there's got to be an intensity to what you do. I. I'm not one of those laid back guys. It's not, it's not a laid back environment atmosphere. It's like, if you don't have intensity to every single thing that you're doing, you're probably not going to enjoy us. Mm, that's good. Last thing. And we ask every guest this yeah. on, on the no show dogs podcast. And it's what were the things that you've been willing to do that you don't think others were that have helped you have success up until this point fail. I mean, I think that, I mean, the number one thing that makes me who I am are my failures. And, and I can go back to, 15 years old, failing, 14, 15 years old, failing, and my ultimate goal as a freshman in high school. And that has always been what continues to push me forward, is being able to fail and fall forward and keep keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. And it's probably one of the things I would ask every coach when I come for an interview or something like that, tell me your greatest failures. And if they haven't failed and they, well, I, I don't fail, you know, then I'm, I'm worried about this guy because we're going to fail at some point in time, whether it's some day, some game, some, and if they don't know how to handle it and move forward and, and get better from it, 
they're going to struggle. And so those guys that I always see that have had failures and you see them continue to progress, like those are the guys I believe become the best leaders. Those guys become the best at what it is that they want to do. And it's a hell of a lot harder for those guys that have just never been through that true adversity and truly had failures that they can recognize as a failure. That's, that's outstanding. Coach, thank you so much for joining us here on the No Show Dogs podcast. And, and best of luck to you all on January 1st at the ReliQuest Bowl. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. You. No Show Dogs is brought to you by ReliQuest. ReliQuest is at the forefront of cybersecurity, working with large organizations around the world to manage cyber risk. Through our innovative technology and a high-performance company mindset, we continuously strive for excellence, pushing boundaries, and working to get a little bit better as we make security possible. Learn more at reliaquest.com. Such a fun interview, Doc. Ton of great takeaways. The the one thing that stood out to me was early on in the interview when we talked about managing tough days as a leader and you still have to show up to be your best. And, and what he said was, regardless of what happens, as a leader, you've got to be the one that every day, if you expect people to be upbeat, if you expect people to be positive, you expect there to be an energy and a momentum about what it is that you're doing, then you've got to be the example of that. And it's exhausting. So there's two things that I think are just dynamite in this is when I think about the burden of leadership, this is the burden of leadership and that people are watching you. People are watching your body language. People are watching the way you walk into the room. People are listening to your tone. They're listening to your word. They're listening and they're watching keenly. Why? Because you're the face, you're the leader and you set the tone. You are the person that has probably the greatest impact on the room, especially when you first walk into it. And just the awareness that he had that he talked about of like, hey, owning that piece of it, owning that piece as a leader that like, Hey, you can have bad days, but we're going to need you to put your best face on for at least the next 30 minutes. Or you can have tough moments, right? But it's like, we need you to be the best version of yourself and understand that you're going to impact the, you're going to impact this entire team or this entire, entire organization based on your position. But then he accepts it by saying it's exhausting. Like, yeah, I know this is going to be hard. And I know I can do hard things because guess what? I have a support group. And he talked about his wife and he talked about people that are closest to him that sometimes get the, get, yeah. get maybe the brunt of it, right? Which all of us that are in leadership, we understand, right? The importance of just having support, whether it's friends or family, but people that you can, uh, you, you know, if if you're worn out from wearing your best face because you know the impact you have, you you do need a place that you can go to where you can maybe, you know, let your hair down and maybe say some things that uh, maybe aren't best for the team, right? But what I, I just love that his recognition of his responsibility of that and, and knowing that, Hey, it's going to be hard, but I know I have the support to do that. And these people love me and they know that, you know, sometimes I just need a place to go to, to get that off my chest or whatever it may be. And so that for me is, is one of the biggest takeaways is just appreciating the burden of leadership and understanding the impact you have on, on the entire organization when you have that role or that title. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a really powerful message to thinking of our listeners and all of the different roles and leadership positions you might have that may not even necessarily have the title of leader, yet people in your office are looking to you. Maybe you've just been there the longest, yes. you're the most veteran, or maybe you tend to be the most vocal or you're you may not necessarily have the title, but recognize leadership comes in all shapes and sizes. And our energy does impact those around us, whether you have the title of leader or not. Now, 
when you do have the big title, like head coach, it matters more. No doubt about that. It matters more. But I don't want people to think that it, it stops there because it is the burden of all of us who have any type of leadership positions to recognize how our energy is going to impact those around us too. That's a great call. Great call out there for sure. What, what do you got? What was your takeaway? Yeah. So I really liked when he was talking about how he's evolved as a coach and he said like, quote, you are the experiences that you have end quote. And Mm -hmm. you think about that through all of our lives, we've all gotten to where we are through experiences. We all have different stories, different experiences, some good, some bad, some we would never want to repeat, yet we may have learned from those. But he took that on to say, you know, he had the opportunity to learn from some of the best, which is amazing. Yet you got to find a way to get it done was the idea, which means that how do we how do we learn? How do we grow? How do we improve? By having new experiences, by having deeper, more meaningful experiences, by putting ourselves out there, by saying yes to things that maybe we're not quite sure of at times just to get that experience. I think experience is oftentimes overlooked or undervalued, yet can really bring a depth of understanding and into whatever role it is that you might be in in that moment in time so i just really liked that idea of the only way to grow and learn and improve is to have experiences and so if they're not given to you go out and find them go out and create them make those experiences so that you can become better and do that one percent better every single day when you're talking about go out and get those experiences i think a lot of times people maybe hide behind the knowledge. Well, I read it. So this is what we're going to do versus like, Hey, if you read it now, throw yourself into it and try it out. Like, go try it out, go try it out and fail, go try it out and succeed because that truly it's in that experience that you're truly going to learn. Right. And so I, uh, I think it's so wise to know that it does take doing the thing. It does take actually stepping out of your comfort zone, experiencing something new, which kind of led to, you know, the last thing he talked about, I know we're only supposed to do one takeaway, so we'll leave it, but he talked about failing. Right. And so just like, that's, that's probably what's going to happen. Some of the time when you step out and have new experiences is there's going to be failure along the way, but that's what it takes to be successful and to have those new experiences was ultimately shape you into who you are good and bad. So yeah. Um, great stuff, doc. Yeah, it's really good. Really glad we had the opportunity to spend some time with him before he shows up on January 1st, baby. Everybody better be watching. This is going to be a great game. Yeah, I can't wait. Badgers versus Tigers, January 1st, noon Eastern, ESPN2, ReliaQuest Bowl. Don't miss it. It's going to be outstanding. Let's go. This has been fun. It's just been a fun uh, way to do these uh, these couple episodes here around the ReliQuest Bowl. And uh, again, thanks for tuning in. If you haven't subscribed yet, we'd encourage you to subscribe today because they're only going to get better, just to let you know. All right, go out, make it a great today. We'll see you.